Welcome to the Practice Squad Podcast, episode 24. I'm John. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark. And we just finished, as a podcast, our very first week of playoff football. And what a week it was. Um, I can't think of a play like a wild card weekend on memory where all the games, with the exception of really San Fran, like were that kind of exciting for one reason or another. Um, and even San Fran played close. Um, so how are you feeling about everything, Mark? Um, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good, dude. It was a good weekend of football. I'm really glad we got to watch it. I think it was weird. It was you know really a lot of those games we and most people figured it was going to be not very close. And they ended up being close, uh, but that's just the NFL playoffs for you. And just when you think that a team should win by a lot, you have a game. Um, but what an awesome weekend, and it sets up an amazing weekend for next weekend as well. So that's what the NFL playoffs are all about, man. Yeah, no, it was great. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of get into to digging into each of the games separately, kind of talking about the relevant stories and topics that are coming out of them. But there is some, you know, outside of playoffs NFL news going on as well. Uh I think the first one that I want to cover just as a Lions fan is uh, as of recording this just a couple hours ago, it was confirmed that Ben Johnson pretty much contacted the Panthers and was like, thanks for the opportunity. Not interested. I'm going to stay at Detroit for another year. Um, and as Lions, Lions fan, like Mark said it on the podcast, like it's critical to the Lions success next year that I think he's around. I think it greatly improves our odds, not just to win the division, but make a run in the playoffs. So uh that just massive news from the Lions that I think it's a huge testament to what Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes are building there. It's special. It's an attractive place to play football. It's an attractive place to coach football. I don't think I've ever been able to say that as a Lions fan in my entire life. Because it hasn't been attractive to play football in Detroit in our lifetime. It, it really hasn't. We've, we've had to go out and acts of desperation, trying to get free agents to come here, had to overpay so many guys that weren't worth the money we were giving them. That's just what Lions fans have had to go through for the, really the last 40 years, you know, and um, it's, I, it's a sign of something special going on there that not only does your offensive coordinator choose to stay there and want to, you know, turn down head coaching opportunities to stay and be a part of something special, but you have players coming to the GM, coming to coaches and saying, listen, I, I want to be here. This is where I want to be. I want to be a part of this. What do I need to do? You know, what do we need to do financially to make this work? Right. Like I'm, they're not asking for the max amount of pay. They're there. There's putting wiggle room in their contracts. Right. And we've never seen in Detroit three players that are on contract years come and say that to a GM and not to mention an OC that has head coaching offers coming and saying no to those yeah. opportunities. It's some it's a testament to a few things, one for sure to Detroit and what is happening right now with that with that football team and the buzz around it and the success that they think that they can have next year. But it's also a thing I think you've seen other coaches start to do like Sean Payton, right? Where there's not an Eric B right in Kansas city. There are these coaches that are clearly favorites for head coaching jobs for a couple of years now. And obviously this is the first year for Ben Johnson as a candidate, but to say no to offers and wait for their better and right opportunity is something that we haven't, we're not used to seeing that in the NFL because it's such a rare thing to get an NFL job offer as a head coach. But you know, if you keep doing what you're doing as an OC or Sean Payton, right? If he just keeps waiting it out, he's going to get a head coaching job whenever he wants it. But it's a matter of which one does he want. And I think Ben Johnson's going to be in the same boat. I think if he does the same thing next year, if the Chargers job opens up, that's a hot, attractive job to want to go take. And then he's just waiting for his right opportunity. So I think there's a couple things going there, but it's a really good sign for Detroit. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, I also think, what are you inheriting by going to the Panthers or the Texans, right? Uh, teams that are looking for results right away that probably will cast you aside if things start to go south where, you know, he's very comfortable at his job. He's loved in Detroit. Everybody appreciates the things that he's doing. I agree that, you know, you might obviously massive opportunity to be a head coach, regardless of where it is. But, you know, if you have the opportunity to be picky and you're comfortable with where you're currently at, like, I, I don't think the enemy's in any rush to leave KC. Why would you be right? You're, you're helping build a dynasty there. So you're always going to kind of wait for the right opportunity that actually fits, you know, your situation. And uh, also for those that aren't familiar with what Mark was talking about, uh, it was reported today also that three Lions players approached Brad Holmes and said that they would, you know, put some wiggle room in their contract, you know, not, you know, maybe a little bit below mar- their probably their standard market va- value that they'd get elsewhere to stay in Detroit. And the, uh, those players were Bugs, uh, Anzalone and uh, John Kaminsky. So, you know, not not bad players by any means right i mean all three of them had a all had an important impact. role yeah, yeah exactly. and you just that's just unheard of man like you hear like john said before we came on you hear that like with like the bills and chiefs and teams that are super bowl contenders every year where players are and you might hear great. with one player with those right, teams, right? Every, yeah you know it's like normally guys want their money and they would choose the money more than where to stay but for some reason in detroit there's something going on where these players are buying in and they understand that in order to get a contract done they might have to make a little wiggle room to stay there and they're willing to do that. And they're actually starting the conversation. And that's a sign. That's a really good sign for your lions fan, because that means those guys are bought in and people want to be in that locker room. Yeah. And that and hasn't been the case in a long time. Loaded on not only draft capital capital, but cap space as well. This off season, I cannot wait to see what Brad Holmes does. If Detroit's actually an attractive place for free agency and then like just filling out the rest of our, our roster with a really strong draft, which I have no doubt that he's going to have yet another strong draft with all the capital that he has, because yeah. he has crushed it two years in a row now. And uh, I don't crushed. think there's any debating that. So yeah, absolutely. especially looking at what Bob Quinn did. I mean, I was looking at, at, uh, you know, Bob Quinn's rosters and like, there might be three guys from those three years of draft classes that are still on the team. Right. Like Taylor, you know, pretty much your O line that we filled out and that's about it. <laughs> like yeah, everybody Steph, else is gone. He's done a great job. And you know, this this time of year, John, as you look at, I mean, also coming out in news, you had Chargers, right? Staley decides to part ways with the quarterback's coach and with their offensive coordinator. Um, I you know, I see it as a scapegoat. I think it was, you know, higher ups came to him and said, Listen, we're either chopping you or you gotta chop the offensive staff and you know, find something that works with Justin Herbert. And so he chose to, he chose to let go of his offensive coordinator and save his own ass. And that's a perfectly understandable choice. But I I was talking to John before we came on and there's been times in recent history and coaching where coaches have chosen to not do that. And I used Mark D'Antonio at Michigan state as an example. Uh, I know for a fact that part of the reason he stepped down and was, I don't know how much he was asked to step down. They weren't going to fire him at Michigan state. Um, but I think he was pushed to kind of do that because the offense wasn't working. The defense had a couple good years and they said, either you fix your offensive staff and fire them and bring in someone new or maybe step down. And he chose to step down. He, he was so loyal to his assistance. And you just don't see that very often anymore in coaching. I wanted to give a hats off to him and how he handled that. Um, but, you know, Staley's, he's not going to give up that position that easy, right? If, if he had to let go of Lombardi, then he lets go of Lombardi and bring somebody else in and try to work with Justin Herbert, which by the way is probably one of the most attractive assistant coaching jobs you're going to find right now. Easily. Getting to work with, 
that, that offense. offense, that offense in general is, I mean, they have a good line, great receivers, one of the most athletic running backs in the league and Justin Herbert. I mean, yeah, anybody it's, who's qualified for that position is going to be, you know, uh, biting their nails to get over there for sure. It's a dream. So, it is a dream. Um, and then Sean Payton's doing, you know, Sean Payton and his interviews. I don't know, John, what are your thoughts? You know, this is probably the last coaching carousel we'll talk about before we get into uh, some other stuff here, but he's taking interviews with the Broncos and he's talking to the Texans. And it's like, what is the, what is the point? Like, do you want that job? I think I can see the Broncos because their defense is loaded and uh, they're looking for a coach that can get something out of Russell Wilson. And I mean, you think about Russell Wilson's profile as an athlete, um, Sean Payton coached a guy for a decade that kind of has a similar profile, right? A little undersized, more you know really strong arm like just i think because man i i can't imagine that russell wilson just forgot how to read defenses and stop going through his progression as a quarterback that just doesn't make sense right he's been doing that effectively for a decade now i don't see you know why all of a sudden he goes to denver and he forgets how to do those things i think it is coaching at the end of the day um and so i think sean payton could get the best out of russell wilson um, but yeah, Texans, no Panthers. I don't think the saints will trade, uh, Peyton in division, no matter what they want for him. Um, Colts maybe, right. That probably, you know, depending on who the quarterback is, I think that matters a lot, Yeah. but I also, seems... you know, a year ago, you, or not a year ago, a few episodes ago, you said, I don't know if he's going to actually take a coaching job this year. And I didn't agree with you then. I might agree with you more now on that. Cause I don't think there's you know, a lucrative opportunity, kind of like what you talked about. Yeah. I don't know. Like if, if I'm him, I would wait. I mean, just right. keep doing your broadcasting, stay in the booth. You know, you don't need the money. I mean, you have the money. So just, and you know, that job offer is going to come. So whenever he wants right. to do it and whenever the right situation, I mean, if the chargers don't have, if they don't want to play game next year, Staley's done. And then that, that job is yours. You know, yeah. if the Cowboys struggle next year for, for whatever reason, I mean, you never know what Jerry Jones, what he's going to do. So, I would just I would wait it out if I'm him, but it's just interesting to see that he's actually taking interviews with these teams that were just abysmal this year and don't seem attractive yeah. at all. And they love him at Fox too, so they'll pay him probably whatever he wants to stick yeah. around there. So, um, yeah. And, oh, also, sorry, I know you know there's other topics, but there is a lot of coaching stuff going on. Jim Harbaugh officially staying with Michigan too. Um, yeah, the that. quote that stuck with me with that, honestly, he said, "Don't try to out happy happy," and I think that kind of fits a few of these situations that we just covered um, with coaches where it's like, if you're comfortable in your situation, if you enjoy what you're doing, you know, like it's no guarantee that you go to be a football coach, that you love being a football coach with one organization versus another organization. And uh, you know, I think he's at the age now where he'd probably just rather keep his family in Michigan and keep doing his thing. Um, we'll see if that changes. Right. I think a national championship would change that for Harbaugh. But right now, I'm I'm happy to say that he's you know still Michigan's coach, and I'm sure we're going to take a run at it. Sigh of relief, huge sigh of relief, fans. Because sure. it, yeah, there was I had my, you know, I had my thoughts about what he was going to do. It just I think he entertained the idea a little bit and decided to stay. Yep, and that's but, pretty much what he did last year too. Yeah, so, I don't know. Um, and then Sean McVay sticking around as well. So uh, we'll see. I mean, that was interesting to me because like. I wonder what his game plan is, right? Long-term, is he going to stay as, you know, coaching? 
because he's a young guy, right? I mean, he could realistically coach for 30 more years if he truly wanted to, but he's got a ring, you know, he's shut a lot of critics up. He's, they had a rough season, but I'm sure they'll bounce back because he's a really strong coach. I'm just kind of curious on what his long-term game plan is. Is he coaching for another year? That, that's, uh, I mean, that Amazon broadcasting deal, John, is pretty hard to turn down. Like, if I, I don't care how much you love coaching, broadcasting is easier than coaching. Okay. Uh, it, it, it just is. So, and he would be damn good at it. He's um, already great on camera. Right. Like, he, he's, he's going to be a natural when he chooses to do that. Not to mention, Amazon was offering him a lot of money. So, I don't know, man. I, I found that interesting. I think, I think he's coming back because maybe Stafford's maybe behind closed doors admitted that he's going to be back and they do have a very good roster. They just have to fix up the offensive line. Um, I don't know. I was, I was, I, I would say fix that, that in the draft, but I don't know if you can't see right. that's the weird, like catch 22 of doing the, the, you know, F them picks free agency play is once like, let's say you don't win a super bowl, right? I know the Rams did. Let's say you don't once you're stuck in that sign big free agents and trade picks away, you are screwed. Like you really are. And yes, you could do, you know, work some amazing uh, GM magic in order to, to make things happen. But like, there's no fresh, cheap, young talent coming in anymore. And then all of a sudden, oh, we need to fix our offensive line. Oh, geez, we're going to have to go out and sign a bunch of free agents if we actually want to do that. And that's messy, right? You can do that in moderation. You can't make that your entire strategy. And the Rams don't have any draft, you know, high draft picks this year so and I'm you can look at like the colts right like the colts doing what um they've done the last few years with quarterback issues instead of getting someone and developing them and by now they would probably have their guy if they would have done that instead you know they've gone with the veteran route and it hasn't worked out for them but um cj stroud did declare after a short little bit of it seemed like he wasn't so sure what he was going to do and i i think something that's worth noting john and this is an interesting thing to talk about i want to hear what you think I think it took him so long because of the NIL. He would have made, I don't, I don't want to guess because I don't know, but millions of dollars as the quarterback at Ohio State next year um, through boosters and through what NIL deals can offer. I mean, he would have been the face of college football, Heisman favorite by a lot. Uh, they would have been national championship favorites by a lot. And that's a hard thing to turn down, right? Especially if you're now, it's not only just the pride and the ego of, I never won an, uh, a Big Ten championship or a national championship for Ohio State like I came here to do. But also, I could have another shot at doing that and make millions. Yeah, I mean, and I think for the the higher round guys, like this might be less of a conversation, right? Because like your your rookie deal, if you're drafted in like the first or second round, is probably going to beat any yeah nil situation. But like, right. what if you're Blake Corum, right? And you're deciding between declaring for the draft and coming back for another year. I'm not yeah, so different. sure that a rookie deal being, you know, maybe a Fourth he round might pick, he might make more pick. at Michigan as a coming back. And That's here's what I'm the trying thing, to like, say. And here's the other thing: you got it's a weird thought, right? Like CJ Stroud, it's tough, right? Because he's going to be probably the third or fourth pick, right? I think the Colts are probably going to take him if he's not taken before that. Um, and you know that coming into the draft, barring anything crazy, that you're going to be a top five draft pick, and you know how much money comes with that. But you also know that then that starts your NFL career, right? And we, how many guys have we seen come in, especially Ohio State guys, nothing against Ohio State, but come in and it doesn't pan out, right? These quarterbacks come in and it doesn't pan out. It doesn't look right. It's not the right situation. And then they're out of, they're out of the league in three, four years. You play another year of college, 
you improve more, you get another million few whatever dollars into your bank account, and then you go get your, and he probably would be the first pick taken next year, you know? So I don't yeah. know. It's just a weird thought. Like also he risks having a career ending injury or, a, you know, or an injury that sets him back and he can't play as well. I don't know. Th there's always that risk, obviously. I think that like, and, and obviously you're on limited time in college anyways. I, I think for guys again, that are like going in higher rounds, this isn't as much of a thought. The guys going in later rounds where they can potentially make more in NIL and also, you know, your odds are kind of stacked yeah. against you or a lot more stacked against you, right? Again, like if you're Blake Corum, why wouldn't you stay at Michigan until you're out of eligibility? You're making a ton of money. You're undersized. You're, you know, and that's money that can set you up. The changes it, it's it's really changed like we're seeing it right now live like it is it's changed college football in that aspect yeah. for sure I and mean, it can positively affect your future too right like think oh, about all the guys sure. that don't get drafted or don't make it in the draft and after you know five years of dedicating everything they have to playing college sports they're left with nothing financially yeah and now instead man some of those guys you know, it's like a semi-pro league now to some degree where it's like, okay, you can make some good money here if you invest it properly or whatever. Yeah. Like you're in good shape, even if you don't make it to the league, even, yeah. even if you don't make it to the next level. It's so. it's completely changed the decision-making process for sure for those mid-round guys like you're talking about, like Corum or or other people. I, I, I mean, it, it could even sway to the point where it's starting to affect even the biggest names like CJ Stroud. I Because he, I mean, you can't convince, you can't convince me that that wasn't part of his, there's a reason he took that long to declare. I mean, he's right. a, He's been projected as a top five pick entire season. Like he's known that. Um, and he took to the last second to make that official to declare. And he was thinking about it. And I think that it's changed the game. It's changed college football. It's changed that whole draft process and what that's going to look like. I mean, Stetson Bennett, if he had another year eligibility, you can't convince me he wouldn't stay at Georgia and make he, he's, he would be the king of that state, of that city, of that campus for another year and make God knows how much money through NIL. Yeah. And who knows how long he's going to last in the NFL, right? I'm just, right. you know, I don't know. Um, but you know he would have another successful season right. at Georgia. I mean, so what, he's probably going to be a third or fourth round pick this year if he's lucky, maybe. So yeah. I don't know if he even gets drafted, man. That'd be it's, crazy. National championship team. I don't know, man. I, I feel like somebody's going to have to take a chance. on. I him, hope right? so, John, but I wouldn't be sad. We've seen the story before where guys like him just get kind of pushed and pushed and pushed. And all of a sudden he's signed as a free agent. And I don't know. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if he, if he goes before round four, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely see him as the leader round pick. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but that, I mean, Again, national championship. Like you got to be somewhat I, of a competent you, quarterback, somewhat yeah, of a competent football you. player. So yeah, it's crazy. Um, all right, so that's basically all of the outside of playoff bubble news. So I guess we can dig right into it. Um, I'm just gonna share my screen here. I just got you know a little bracket to help us follow along. Maybe we can zoom in a little bit. Cool. How does that look? Good. That looks really good, man. Great. Okay, so <laughs> starting it off with the Chargers versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I I really don't know what to say other than this is one the worst playoff choke I've ever seen, and probably the most Chargers like style loss I have ever seen, just based off of their history as a franchise. But also, man, like. This is where legends are made, and I think Trevor Lawrence truly solidified himself as a franchise quarterback that is in the league to stay through this win. Because any quarterback that isn't a leader or lacks the ability in the NFL 
you know, to actually get something like this done, doesn't get it done. And somehow he was able to rally his team and, and go and carry them to victory after being what 27 to zero with four minutes left in the second quarter. I mean, unreal, absolutely unreal. It's a horrible loss. It's a horrible loss by all accounts. I just want to throw it out there. And this is going to be a common theme for this episode. My bad takes this, this week. Uh, Cause I did take the chargers and John took the Jags. Um, you saw early on what the chargers are capable of doing and why I said that they could beat the chiefs and that they're this legitimate threat in the AFC, because when they are playing the, to their standard, they are a dangerous, dangerous team with a loaded roster, but you have to finish the game. And they absolutely handed that game away. If, I mean, the Jets, Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions in the first half, three of them in the first quarter. That so you bad. should never, you should never win that game when your quarterback throws three interceptions in the first quarter. You should never win that game. And the Chargers capitalized off of all of those turnovers. And I mean, it just is how they took that 27 to nothing lead, John, I think is part of why this is so bad because the Jags basically gave, spotted them 27 points. And you have to give them credit. And Trevor Lawrence, let's put it, let's, let's make this clear is going to be a stud guy in this league for a long time. I mean, the guy's never lost a football game on Saturday, John, in his life. <laughs> He's never lost a true. game on Saturday. Yep. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the dude's been playing football since he was four years old. He's never lost a game on Saturday. That includes high school playoff games. That includes, by the way, he was a college quarterback for several years at Clemson, played a lot of Saturday games, never lost. And then here he is in the NFL. And, uh, it's ridiculous. It's a very impressive win. They're a dangerous team. Kansas City better be ready because, you know, that's it's their hot, hot team. When you play a red hot team, you never know what can happen. Yeah, and they, they did not expect to be here, or at least, you know, a lot of people didn't expect them to be here. So we've seen, you know, with the Lions, what it's like to play with like a, a you know, I don't give a shit attitude. Like, just come out there and just play your game and, you know, just try to be the spoiler. Like, it's scary, right? I, I and honestly, like, I mean, we'll get to it, but like Cincinnati Buffalo is going to be a damn good game too. So I'm really excited about that. But um, yeah, it's disappointing. Like, and man, honestly, I'm. I know something had to happen. I know it was either Staley or his offensive coaching staff. If I was the Chargers GM, I would do away with Staley. Like that's. He, yeah, has, I mean, he has made a lot of really bad coaching mistakes that he gets bailed out because of how talented his team is for, you know, several yeah, years now. For, for sure. Not just this year, but last year, too. I mean, we all forget, they, you know, or don't forget that they missed the playoffs last year because, you know, they were going to do a fun little truce thing with the Raiders and tie the game so that they both could make the playoffs and then uh, took a timeout like an idiot. <laughs> like, I, Yeah, I mean... He's definitely cost that team some games, and it's he's definitely on the hot seat. The pressure's on him next year. I don't think you can put all of this loss on him. Um, I mean, you have a 27-point lead. A lot of a lot of stuff has to go wrong, and it's out of the coach's hands in that point. I mean, he has a role, and he's definitely partially responsible. But I don't think you can completely blame him. I have you have to put some of it on Justin Herbert. You have to put some of it on their on their OC Lombardi. You have to put some of it on the defense. Joey Boza did not help. Like, definitely not that tantrum. I, I don't know what I don't know I what it is with grown men throwing that. like I mean like grow up. 
you're a professional athlete. You're in a professional image. This is your career and you're going to slam your helmet on the ground. Your head coach who you should have some respect for picks it up and hands it to you. And then you slam it again. I mean, I don't know if you saw the clip of that. Like that just shows me that they don't respect Brandon Staley. Yeah. If, a, if, well, if imagine someone did that to Bill Belichick. Yeah. Oh, he, they would be out of that's, the stadium. Yeah, fired. <laughs> cut. Like it's just. I mean, that's alarming yeah. to see. In front no, of a but I do image. think he made a good point though, where he said, "You know, I am going to get fined forty thousand dollars for talking shit on the officiating of this game, and the refs are going to face zero bad consequences for making bad calls." And the play that he threw that tantrum about, he was right. The, yeah. The the tackle was lined up wrong he jumped early and he held them penalty 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 and there was no flag on it and then the ref is the one that approached bosa because he saw him pouting that i agree that and was then the ref the, was like, totally in the wrong bosa said something to the ref which he did i don't think i don't think he said anything to the ref to start i think he, he said he was pouting while walking away and the ref followed him and kept the conversation going and then so you're missing like you're down. missing like a second of that clip because right before he walked away john he he does turn and say something to the ref and then he walks away and the ref obviously didn't like what he said and listen as a ref you're gonna have people you have to be able to take shit from people like that's part of being a ref but you should absolutely not chase down someone that just said something to you as he's jogging off minding his own business now and and try to get him to say more because that's what happened. He he said, "Well, really, what did you just say to me?" And Bosa probably said it again, and he threw the flag. It's like, dude, that you're not your job is not to pick fights with these players. You're not playing. Right. Your job is to just referee right. the game. Because then, then I agree. Now you're punishing a multimillionaire, right? A yeah. professional athlete for some shit that he that that he wasn't even provoking at that point in the game. At that point, he was so done. Right? He said his piece. Him, yeah, he right? said his piece. You know, he was walking off to the sideline. I would Boza absolutely has a a uh, like to stand on in his in his argument. Doesn't make up for the fact that you you blew a twenty seven nothing lead. I think that that frustration clearly came out in that moment. But you got to totally. be more mature than that. No, the throwing I, the helmet don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not making excuses for Boza. Yeah. I just think in in the middle of him acting like a two year old, he did have a couple good points where it's like he does. Yeah, he does. Man, these officials should be full time. And they should get paid enough where it makes sense to actually find them or Dr. Fay for making atrociously bad calls. Because I agree. That's how we treat NFL players. And if that's how we treat NFL players and we're giving these refs power over these guys, the ability yeah. to alter games over these guys, then there's got to be a change, right? They can't be part-time guys. It just doesn't make sense. I agree. So I agree, man. Um, it's a good yeah. point. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's anything else worth talking about in this game, but I mean, just crazy. It was, uh, it was so weird too. Cause I just had that feeling at halftime. I was like, how about, uh, how about the better? return of, how about the return of the uh, tight wing formation and just hand the ball off in a power, like his middle school to Travis. <laughs> We've seen that now Penn state did that in the Rose bowl against Utah. And you've seen, I, I, this is a copycat league copycat coaches. These coaches watch football as a whole, just like you and I do. And anyone else that's listening to this show, and they they steal stuff, right? And they they took that from you know whether that Penn State game is the first time you saw it or he wanted to do it elsewhere. It's been in the playbook. They actually ran the same play against the Chargers um, in that first game where they blew them out early in the season mm-hmm. on a short yardage situation. They did the same thing, and they they basically said we want to put Asante Samuel Jr. in a position where he has to come up and tackle Travis Etienne, and he's not going to. And he clearly took a horrible angle. I don't know what his where, where his eyes were on that play. But he got outside of him in the in a second, and, and it was, was over. I mean, fourth yeah. and one, you, you can't give up the edge like that. So clearly, they saw something. But what a play call, man! Fourth and yeah. one, 
what a play call. Wild. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna save Cincinnati Baltimore. Let's jump to you know the maybe less controversial game uh with uh Miami and Buffalo. So look, I, I'm really impressed with with how Miami played in this game with a third string quarterback. That's that's pretty amazing to do that against this team. Um and honestly, I don't think it's their it's Thompson's fault they lost this game. Uh Waddle and Hill both had really bad drops at very critical moments. Um, you know, I know, Early I know on too. Oh yeah. And, and later in the game too. I mean, Waddle had a really bad one, I think in like the third quarter or something like that. So, um, and look, I, a lot of people are, are dogging on Josh Allen right now. When you are this gifted of, of an athlete and you are this good at the game, sometimes mistakes come out and like, we've seen it all season, right? Like this, he makes boneheaded decisions at times. And I think it is because of the fact that he tries to literally put the entire team on his back and just play superhero at points. Um, and it's look, you can get away with it against maybe Miami. You're not going to get away with that against, uh, you know, Kansas city and Cincinnati. So hopefully he cleans it up, but at the same time, something I saw, it's like minus the turnovers. Like he would have probably thrown over, 500 yards or something like that. I think he already had like close to 400 yards passing or something. Like so that. here's there. I have, I have several things to talk about. One, the drops piss me off, dude, because I mean, as a former receiver, like there's nothing that drives me more insane than watching a perfectly thrown ball get dropped. And it's such a, you know, you could talk about turnovers and the, you know, the impact that has on a game, but drop passes, man, especially ones that are perfectly thrown are such swinging moments of a game. Because it's not only did you not get those yards and that you would have just had, but it's like a confidence thing for the receivers. It's a confidence thing for the offense as a whole, quarterback especially. Uh, like there's nothing worse than a quarterback throwing the ball and not knowing for sure if his guys are going to come down with it, especially when you start getting in tight windows and trying to throw 50-50 balls, which the one to waddle down the field early on was a dime. And it, I mean, it landed right over the shoulder, right where you wanted as a receiver, and he couldn't he couldn't pull it in. That would that they would have scored on that drive at least a field goal. Right. So it changes the game. Um, the Josh Allen stuff, I think, is really important to know. I'm a little bit worried about Josh Allen. He This isn't just a this game thing, John. He's turned the ball over all year long. And early on, people complained, you know, and said it was because of the injury and his and his uh, his uh, elbow or whatever it was. He He's healed now, and he's still just making some bonehead decisions. I will say he's kind of done that his whole career. He's just gotten away with it because, like you said, of his natural talent. He did it at Wyoming. I'm sure he did it in high school. Like He's just so gifted that he can get away with it most of the time, and he's created a bad habit in doing that, and it sometimes comes out where he's playing like a little kid again. And I love that's what makes him so great is that sometimes it works, and he does things that you're not ever supposed to do, and he makes it happen. But there's also times he does it, and it's a really bad time to do it. And I think that as a coach, you have to be able to kind of reel them in. And when Danian Tomlinson just said this, I was listening to this before um, we started recording. Well, Danian Tomlinson on NFL Network was talking about this and said, Brian Dabble was his uh, coach, right? And was probably pretty good at reining Josh Allen in and getting him to calm down and play more relaxed and not do as risky things. And it seems like, you know, ever since he's left, Josh Allen just kind of has free reign. And has kind of just let it fly, right? And there's times where that's awesome. And there's also times it's like, dude, what are you doing? I mean, some of those turnovers were not good. And like you the said, he can't, program. he can't like, get away. Yeah, he can't get away with the ball. <laughs> you can't get away with doing that against Cincinnati. You just can't. You no. can't. Because Joe Burrow is not going to do that. Well, you so, know, you know what Cincinnati just did 
and this is a perfect segue, right? Is uh, they got a, a critical turnover and ran it 98 yards back for a touchdown when Baltimore was going in to, you know, probably, you know, put themselves in a position to win that game. And man, I got to give credit to Baltimore without Lamar and without really any competent receiving core, they did a great job in this game. And it was, you know, basically two or three plays not swinging in the direction that, uh, you know, caused them to lose this game. Um, I mean, I don't think Burrow necessarily played hot by any means. Uh, I think he had a pretty average game. And I think that Huntley was playing his ass off trying to make something happen. And honestly, I'd say shame on Baltimore's locker room for all of the comments that were made after this game. I and couldn't your agree more. Your coaches throwing Huntley under the bus when this is a second string guy that is literally playing his ass off the entire game. Like I, I think his effort level, his his ball placement, his decision making, like he was trying to win this game. And then Dobbins, you know, talking yeah, shit was... about Lamar and acting like he's this big star. And it's like, dude, like you've you've had your ACL blown out for basically two seasons, right? You've been recovering from that injury for more or less two seasons. And now you're going to be a guy that you, you saw what that did to you and your career and how long that took for you to recover from. And now you're going to go and call out Lamar. Like what? <laughs> that does, I Lamar feel, doesn't have his money. Like, I just don't, I don't it. feel bad. I don't feel bad for the Ravens at all. I do feel bad for Tyler Huntley because everything you just said is 100% fact. Um, but shame on JK Dobbins for, trying to say, well, you know, the ball should be in my hands and basically saying that if it was me, we wouldn't have turned the ball over. Tyler Huntley made a stupid play. Okay. He did not protect the football on the goal line. It was third and goal. Very dumb decision, right? He, he will probably be the first one to tell you that, but as a teammate, you can't just go and say that that's why they lost. Is it why they lost big part of it? Absolutely. A big part of it. Um, but he, he also was the only reason they were in that game. Yeah, it wasn't and J.K. Also, Dobbins. Also, it was maybe Tyler you Huntley. can question the play call too, because uh, if you're going to try to do that as a quarterback from three yards away from the gold line or two yards away or whatever, there's a lot of risk to it, right? It's you're stupid. Not, it's super you're not risky. One yard away, because if you're one yard away and you can just reach over and break the plane, it, like you can drop the ball right then and there, and it's still yeah. a touchdown. But if John, you're not there, like what do uh, what do the Harbaugh brothers have in common? I'm trying to think of something. Um, Oh, I don't know. Maybe fumbling on the one yard line. That's something <laughs> that they, that's something that they both seem to do in big playoff games. Yeah. Or, or hate the media. Apparently. Did you see that? that yeah. I mean, interview. I mean, and well, Harbaugh's nice. She about asked it, horrible Har questions. She, asked oh, she, horrible questions. she did. And he, but he was totally a, a douche about it. Like he was oh, so yeah. mean about it. And the thing about Harbaugh, uh, Jim, I'm referring to is he's actually nice about it. He just immediately grabs one of his players and go, Oh, you should talk to this guy. He's the star of the game. And then runs yeah. away. Yeah. Jimbo <laughs> and Jimbo and John are listening. They're hell of, they're, they're great coaches. They're great coaches. Um, but that's funny, man. They both have the same thing happen in a, in a big playoff game in it cost yeah. in the game you know yeah. um i don't know if that was the play call for him to jump over the top john i highly doubt that it was it was probably just supposed to be a quarterback sneak and he chose to do that which even um, then a, a three-yard qb sneak i know especially when you have ball. the running game that they have right like run a run a version of your zone read or your triple option yeah. dobbins you and know, edwards what had been running up and down the field that entire game so i mean yeah and then i do really just want to focus on you know what dobbins said because again like how do you not sympathize with another player who, again, has not been paid yet, 
trying to protect his knee because if he doesn't, that's a year off and probably a hundred million dollar mistake. And that is not an understatement, right? Because if, if he blows out his knee, he's I'm not gonna, getting the money. That I'm going to bash Lamar. And also I do agree with you though. Uh, I'm going to bash Lamar because I think that he's an idiot for trying to be his own agent. I think that that's coming back to back. I think that's backfiring big time. I, you can't convince me that he wouldn't have had a deal done by now if he had a legitimate agent that knew what the hell they were talking about. Um, I can convince you. Um, and his name is Roquan. He was yeah. his own agent on the Ravens and signed a hundred million dollar deal with them. I guess, dude. But you know, so, quarterback, it's different. And you know how it is with Lamar. Like Roquan's a safer, safer guy to pay. Roquan has. There's no doubts about what he's gonna do as a linebacker. Lamar right. has issues of injury history. The weight, the style of play. Um, there's been questions about him since he came into the league. I think he's proven most of those people wrong, but still there are I still have my my worries about him in terms of paying him long term. And mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe he has an agent and it still doesn't get done. Um, but I just wanted to throw that out there and say for him, probably should have had an agent. And he's talking about a lot, a lot of money. Um, but I will say I'm completely in defense of him being done with the Ravens, right? They didn't pay him what he thinks he's worth. And they absolutely should have paid him. And, and you know, whatever. If you agree or disagree with whether or not they should have paid him, the one thing you have to admit is that if you're Lamar and you you think you're worth something and they don't give you that and you've given everything that you possibly can to them, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be showing up to the games being everything that I normally am. You yeah. think you're worth more and you can get more elsewhere, I would well, leave. Again, especially if there's an injury question and you need to protect your body to make sure that you do get that money that you think you're worth because no one is paying that money. If your ACL is blown out period. So I'll be, and I'll be, but I'll be transparent too. I don't know how serious the injury is anymore. John, he he's been out with a PCL for longer than normal. And I get that he's a running quarterback and maybe, maybe it is a lingering injury that he's not ready to play yet. I I think that the fact that if he was paid, he would have played in that game is what I'll say. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, and do like, not blame him for sitting because he's not right. Playing. I'm not really blaming don't. him for sitting. I, he could have played, and he sure as hell could have traveled and been there to support and help Tyler Huntley. Yeah, out. well, I, I think that I was do it the either. true message. I, I think yeah, him not traveling message. was the true message that he's he's done with the Ravens. And look, man, between him and Carr and probably Tom Brady and maybe Aaron Rodgers, even oh, which we, we haven't the, talked I about get that into yet, those two, John. Like I get into those two. There's so many interesting moves that might happen this offseason because who's quarterback needy then i mean the jets which is a great situation good offensive line Uh, i mean colts who are not as good of a situation obviously raiders are going to try to find somebody to replace Carr. lots of interesting stuff going on um but yeah let's let's talk about brady and rogers real quick as our segue before we get into the nfc um so brady his words were a little bit more vague you know he said basically like thanks to this organization and you know no, no true word on whether or not he's one retiring, two coming back to Tampa, or three going somewhere else. I'd say each of those possibilities are probably just as likely. I don't think he's retiring, but Tampa versus going he didn't get divorced. He didn't know. get divorced to play one more season, bro. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, like he's uh, he's coming back. He's got nothing. He, I don't else know left where do he's now. gonna be playing. I don't think he's gonna be a buck, but he will be in the NFL next year. I I, I could see. I think the most logical thing would be, and it's funny because I think him and Aaron Rodgers both would want to go to the same spot and they both have different reasons to go there. Aaron Rodgers, I think, would want to go to the Raiders to be with Devontae and to play in Vegas and to have all the spotlight, right? Like he's an attention whore guy. 
That's what he wants to do. And then Tom Brady wants to go there because of McDaniels. See, my biggest, my biggest issue with, I think Rodgers would be a better fit. And the reason why is because Brady needs, at this point in his career, at his age, he needs a few things. And those things are an offensive line, a really strong running game, and a good, solid defense. And I don't yeah. think the Raiders have any of those. I mean, they have it. They in, have the running game with Josh Jacobs. If they sign him, though, did right. it, didn't they? Uh, so there's contract, questions with that. Yeah, lots of questions. Lots of so, lots of questions. I think, dude, this is. We're, I think we could very well have just as crazy of a quarterback offseason as we had last year because I, you throw this, you throw names like Tom Brady, <laughs> dude. You throw names like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers into that hat. Right mixed in with the draft guys that we're getting mixed in with all the coaching changes. And here's the other thing that happens when, when Brady leaves the bucks and when Rogers leaves the Packers, now those teams need quarterbacks. And it's like, exactly. well, who are they going to go get? Jordan love will be the guy at green Bay. I think, I think we saw, I don't know. I mean, I think you're I right, know, but like, I don't know if I believe in him. I think that that's the guy they'll go with. I just don't know if that's, I who saw they some sparks be. when he was in this past season. So we'll see. I just haven't seen enough of him. Yeah. Rogers did say, um, you know, just on this note, right. He pretty much said, if we're going to, if I'm going to come back, I don't think he's retiring. If I'm going to come back, it's to try to win a championship, whether green Bay or somewhere else, you know, he said, he said straight up, I think in, in the right situation, I can win an MVP again. Yeah. And I, and I agree. Like he's not, it's not Aaron Rodgers Isn't like the lions killed the Packers. They're dead. And everything that they know with Aaron Rodgers and everything is dead because the Lions finished him off with that that loss uh, on Sunday night. But Aaron Rodgers is not dead. Aaron Rodgers is going to find another team, I think. I think that's clear. Yeah. I think he is done with Green Bay. He's another one where I think, you know, Vegas is attractive. I also think Jets are very attractive for him. So we'll see. It's funny, both 49ers have been tossed out for both of these guys, by the way. I think that makes no sense with their current quarterback situation. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers will not go to the 49ers. He hates them for not drafting him. Um, but Tom Brady very well could because he yeah. would fit in perfect into that system. Absolutely perfect into that. System. It would be the best system that Tom Brady's been in. But with his entire with career. Jimmy G and everybody else. Like I know, I know. They, it doesn't I, make I sense. Know. But if I'm telling you right now, for Tom Brady's purpose, would 100% be the best fit he's ever had in his career to be in that Kyle Shanahan totally. offense with totally. that offensive line with that defense with those weapons would be absolutely the best fit he's ever been in so yeah I could see that as well but Aaron Rodgers won't go to he won't go there he hates them and he's a cow he's from he's a cow kid but he hates right. them but and it, he hates them because he wanted to be drafted by them so right. badly and then right. they but he's not gonna go he's not gonna go and take their yeah, he's not going to go and take the, you know, oh, but like we want you now. He's, I think Aaron Rodgers. He said his Super Bowl hopes ruined by them, what, three times, four times? Several times, times dude. Several times. Yeah, he's, he's not going to go there. So crazy. Uh, okay. But it's going to uh, be fun to see. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. I cannot wait. Um, You know, we're not even halfway through the playoffs and we're already kind of speculating on all of these crazy things that are going to transpire. Basically, it's hard, it's hard not to because it's. Oh yeah, we're look. There's going to be mock drafts in the off season. We're gonna. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff. So I'm excited for it. Um, so NFC. I want to personally start with the most boring one: uh, San Fran and Seattle. I think we all kind of knew what the outcome of this game was. I have to applaud Seattle for playing a good first half against San Fran, and then yeah. and then as soon as they stopped playing a good first half, it was San Fran's game all the way. 
they definitely showed like why they have this much hype behind them. They are so freaking good. I cannot wait to see them play Dallas. This was this was the one take of the weekend I was spot on about. Um, it happened exactly as I said it was going to happen. Um, San Francisco, dude, they're going to win the Super Bowl. They're they are they are my second week of the playoffs pick, and that could change again every single week of the playoffs. But I think that they're going to win the Super Bowl. All right, very reliable, they, solid. They, take dude, they Mark. look they look so good. Yeah, they look so good on offense, so good on defense, and it just they just are special. The way they're playing, they're having fun. While Brock Purdy has been so damn impressive with that system, and you know, you can say, well, it's because he's in a friendly system. Yeah, he's in a friendly system, but he's also just thrived in it. Yeah. You still got to execute, and you, you still, still got to make good passes. And, which he, and by the man. way, the throw he made that Ayuk dropped at the end of the game Insane. was one of the best plays I've seen from a quarterback. That that was Mahomes and Allen esque, dude. Like that yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah, it was it was amazing. And like again, like what does this team do about their quarterback situation? Because they traded several first round picks to go get Trey Lance, who now is a gonna have to compete with a guy that's a year younger than him, that is way cheaper than him, even on their current contracts, right? Like, I don't know what they're gonna do. And maybe Jimmy G is just a permanent second string guy there that can always do his job, or maybe he goes somewhere else and gets a bag. I'm not sure, but wild situation with that. And you, I think you're you're dead accurate, Mark. Like Purdy's playing his ass off. Like he is. No like, doubt. And there's some rust and some nerves, and you saw it early on, but that team is loaded and they're they have enough to help him. And there's been this knock, oh, no, a rookie's never, you know, a rookie quarterback's never won the Super Bowl. I think that that changes this year, dude. I think that he can do just enough. That team is good enough. The coaching help around him is good. And they have such a damn good coaching staff. Um, it's incredible. Their defensive Probably line the coach, the by NFL. the way, was at Central Michigan while I was there, Daryl Tapp. Um, he's such a good coach, dude. Such a good coach. And, I mean, I, I can imagine how fun it would be to coach Nick Boza and those guys, but he's doing a great job. Like probably defensive team. player of the year. Their, their defensive coordinator is, is crushing it, doing a great job with the guys they have. I mean, even their weakest link on defense, um, their other corner was getting picked on the whole game and he was stepping up to the, you know, and making plays like it's just, they're, they're a scary team. I think they come out of the NFC easy. Uh, and I, I, th I think that they surprise everyone and we see an NFC winner in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to segue into Dallas and Tampa because I know, you know, you get, you got some talking to do about this one, but I'll say this much, right. Uh, in your defense, right. Because I agreed with you and I don't like Tampa. I don't like Dallas. I really didn't. I, I really couldn't have cared less who, who ended up coming away with this game, but congrats Dallas fans. Yes. You want a playoff game in the exact same fashion that you have all the stupid hype around you in the regular season. You beat, a team that doesn't have a winning record in the playoffs and you beat them badly. That's what you do in the regular season too. You beat up on bad teams then you lose to good teams in embarrassing fashion. So yes, against San Francisco, absolutely San Fran's my favorite. It's not even close. Tampa, Dallas, you could toss up. I want to see Brady win it because, you know, I don't like Dallas and this is the dumb stuff that they get away with every single season. It stops at San Fran and I am so confident in that take. It's not even funny. So that's all. How about, how about, the, how about the kicker in that game, John? Before I get oh. into my, I have to still throw four some extra points, kicks. dude, four kicks in a row. That dude missed. I don't know how that's even possible. Like it's I like really... a less than, it's like a less than 1% chance of that happening. 
so crazy. I mean, by the third one, wouldn't you just be like, "All right, coach, I'm just gonna hang up for the rest." Dude, of the, the like, crazy the thing is that there. the crazy like, thing is that he's. I I wouldn't have let him even fly back with us on the on the plane. He would have been cut. He would have been stuck in Tampa. He's actually he, gonna, gonna stay see on him the next team. week. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if they, I mean, if you miss kicks, if you lose the game next week because of a missed kick, you you can't blame anybody but Jerry Jones and McCarthy. Yeah. Because this dude just showed he's not ready for that moment, and I, I, there's so many kickers. From what I understand, why... he had a really solid regular season, so that's what he did. I'll say, but yeah, okay, that doesn't matter. Like, you, it doesn't you matter, make dude. Your extra point kicks. It's a what? It, I mean, this is your job. It's a professional. Like, it's what are you doing for me lately? Type of thing. And this dude shit down his leg worse than anyone I've ever seen. I mean, I hate so kickers bad. to begin with. Like, I really wish they weren't even in football, to be honest with you. I, like, I was about to say, can I back you up and just have you explain that one a little bit? Why I hate kickers? Yeah. Because kickers are included as being a part of a football team when, like, they're not. They're, like, in this, like, they're in, like, this own little club of their own where, like, they don't really practice. They don't, like, they show up for special teams periods in practice. They just kind of dick around all the time. Like, they, they're not in, they're not even, like, a real part of the team. You know what I mean? And then the biggest moments of a game always come down to them. And they get all the glory when it, when it, when they make the kick for being out there for 10 seconds. And then you, the guy misses four kicks. Do it Like, if, if, a, if a receiver had four drops... There were four touchdown drops like that dude would probably be cut. But because this dude misses four and they weren't even close, he missed these extra points horribly. I mean, some, um, some kickers are our boys, though. And like, there's a few kickers that yeah, I we had John Kamek on our team. He made part, tackles for us and, and some moments. Like, yes, you there's know, there's kickers that I respect. Uh, like McAfee's a guy like he's but he's like not a normal yeah. kicker, right? Like, no, he'll he, go and he's a football player that happens to be a punter. Right. What, those like guys I respect. Yeah. Those guys I respect. What I hate um, what I hate is the kickers that are like, you know, the soccer dudes or like the specialists where they don't do anything else ever. They've never played another sport. They don't, they never played actual football. Like, I don't know, man, maybe I'm just biased because I've had so many games ruined by kickers as a player, but you know, and as a fan, I don't know. I just, I can't respect them, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, I think them. that is like it being up to chance to some degree, like is kind of what makes like field goals and extra points worth what they are, right? Like, oh, it's it's, it's an important part of the game. I just wish, like, yeah. I just wish there was a way around it, dude. But, but like, what I'm trying to say is that, like, you know, like that there's a reason a field goal is worth three points versus a touchdown being worth six, and that's because, all right, like, let's go put the dude out here and you know, go yeah. See and there's a reason why up, right? there's a reason extra points are called an extra point because they're like considered like a gimme. Like, here you go, here's your extra point. Seven is the number, but the dude clearly <laughs> not so much. I, listen, I've made fun of enough kickers. I need to make fun of myself, John. Can I do that? Yeah. So, um, I just you know, I think we've both seen what's transpired on TikTok. So just maybe like go ahead and, and show us a little bit of, of some of the very nice comments that Dallas Cowboys fans are leaving. I'm just going to read take. through some of these, some of the top ones. Now what happens, and this is what I really hate. I make my takes and I have been on quite a hot streak actually with my takes in the past few weeks, college playoff games. I was pretty accurate with, uh, I picked the lions to beat the Packers. Um, I, I was on a pretty good streak, right? And I, I had a few posts blow up and get a lot of attention and, there were some people that gave me credit and said, Hey, this was a really good take. This dude was spot on, right? They would come back after the game and give me credit. And I knew damn well, I was feeling pretty good about it. So I made takes and picks on all of the playoff games this week. And I was right on a few of them, 
you know, the obvious ones, Cincinnati, Buffalo, I was right on those. San Francisco, I had spot on, but those were easy picks, right? The the games that people were truly unsure of would be uh, the Giants and the Vikings and then Dallas and Tampa Bay. And I made strong opinions on both, and I was wrong on both. But Dallas fans are ruthless, okay? And I want to just read through some of these comments because I'm getting absolute straight up bullied on social media right now. But you um, deserve it because you're. Wrong. I do deserve it. I do deserve it, and 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 I gave them a bunch of shit before the game because they were already in my comments talking shit, and I was responding right back because it's super fun, and I appreciate the uh, the back and forth little game we're playing here. But the worst is when you're wrong and the game is already settled, and they come for the the final overkill because that is it's overkill. But this is some of the stuff I'm getting still like they're happening as we're recording right now. I'm getting notifications on my phone, and I'll just. Wondering what he's thinking today. Remember, don't overthink it, stupid. This aged well. Tampa Bay, what happened? Uh, go Dallas Cowboys. Ha, thought you knew. Sorry about that, buddy. We aren't struggling anyways, and we win anyways. Uh, 31 to 14, what happened, my boy? What happened, buddy? This didn't age well. Your analysis is great, not 31 to 14. Uh, this turned out great. The best one, I think, one of the best one is the uh the ones that came before they literally said saving this so i can come back to it after which was like three days ago they saved it and commented that and then they come back and say what they have to say and that's the worst that's the worst that's the most demoralizing one uh, so we started when mark and i got on before we started filming um you know and mark was telling me about all all that's transpired on TikTok. And I was just like, well, buddy, like, welcome to being a social media personality because now every opinion you have is recorded on the internet forever. And every bad take, will, you'll never be forgiven for. And every good take, it's like, all right, you did your job for once. You know, what I need, what I need listeners to do is convince John to download TikTok. He's a conspiracy theorist and won't do it. And help I'm not me a conspiracy the theorist. I, <laughs> I don't, at, they track all your data. Yeah, I know they do. I do. They do. But listen, it's not your, it's, it's a, it's our podcast account. You don't need a personal TikTok. I need help on here, dude. I'm getting straight roasted by that. I'm taking on the entire city of Dallas by myself. I need your opinion every now and then to, to even me out, or at least your your smart wittiness to come into the comments and say something to defend me look, or yourself. I'll, I'll come in, you know, and look, what we've been doing is I just film like a YouTube short and there we go. Like I send it to Mark, he's, he gets it on TikTok, we're good to go. I will come in with equally strong opinions on San Fran Dallas. I will double down 10 times harder than you double Please down do. on Tampa and Dallas. And <laughs> and if they want to come back and roast again after that, then what are you going to do about it? But I, I'm, if, I'm feeling good about that. John, I'm doubling down on that as well, by the way, just so we're on the same page. And if we both double down and Dallas somehow wins that game, we might get death threats <laughs> from Dallas. I'm, I'm they're, already, they're already destroying me. I assume this isn't going to stop anytime soon. It's going to go throughout the week. And then when I put oh, out my... Sure. When we both put out our takes, oh yeah, and it, like it, we're we are in serious trouble if Dallas somehow pulls that one off. I'm not worried about it personally. I can. Say I'm not that either. But I was pretty personally. confident about Tom Brady as well, and he did not perform. And that game was, you know, you get hey, Dak Prescott. He rose up to the challenge. Look, he was getting I got, a lot of hate. Five touchdowns. Credit. Yep. Played really well. Helen Moore called a hell of a career. game. Best oh, game yeah. of his career, 100%. Kellen Moore so, called a really good game offensively, too. I also don't know what the hell Tampa was doing on defense at times. It, I, I was trying to figure they, it out. And they didn't have a run game, and they bailed on it. Oh, they I mean, Tom, no... Tom Brady threw just short of 70 passes that game. Dude, did you, you see the stat? He had that in 2022, 
in that season, he broke the record for most pass attempts in a season. You know who you know who he's ahead of now? Himself? No, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. In twenty in twenty twelve or thirteen. <laughs> Stafford. And I, um, I honestly I think right a lot of pass attempts is a testament to a failing offense, not a oh, successful yeah. one. For so, sure. It's the so. if you look at the list that if that he now is the top of, it's bad teams for the most part it's teams that were struggling that checks out that checks out for sure um and then finally giants minnesota and look i've been saying giants are frauds basically all season and they did come out and win this game so huge congrats to them i'm still not super convinced because congrats you beat up on the worst defense in the league and the vikings are frauds so the vikings are frauds because of their defense so I, i struggled to really you know figure out who we want to go with for this game. I think I picked Giants. I can't quite remember. Uh, I think I kind of did like this devil's advocate in both directions. And Minnesota, it's as simple as this. Fix your defense. You guys are going to be a good team, right? And uh, the Lions started to figure out towards the second half of the season with their defense. They at least, you know, stopped losing the Lions games. Uh, The Vikings never did. And their corners cannot cover anything. I mean, seriously. So... The Vikings defense was that in that game specifically, and they have been pretty much the entire season, as you've said. But in that game, it was horrible. I mean, you're playing, you're not against like a a dominant team by any means, and you're not playing against a serious threat of a quarterback that can make all the throws. You made it about as easy as you possibly could on Daniel Jones. And give him credit, he had the best game I've seen Daniel Jones play. I think by far he was the best quarterback of the weekend. Um, very impressive. He did everything (laughs) that they needed. He ran the ball for like 80 yards. He was able to, you know, make all the right reads on his throws. He threw the ball accurately. Um, and, and the, and the giants are, you know, banged up, dude. I mean, they were missing a couple guys and it just doesn't matter. It just didn't matter in that game. Minnesota fans just have to be so crushed. Uh, a lot of people are coming at Kirk cousins and, you know, talking about his playoff career record and all is whether or not he's the guy for them. And if he can get it done, he 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 played a fine game. The, and the he, offense was not the problem. Uh, no, well, never with has the exception been, of the very last play, right? And we gotta, yeah, can we pull up the? Yep. So, so obviously, we'll, we'll break defend this down Kirk Cousins, but yeah, let's break this down. Defend Kirk Cousins as a whole in this game, not his fault. Um, they should have. They played good enough offensively to definitely win this game, and they've been good enough all year to win games, and they have. But in this moment. I just never, and we've seen other guys make the same mistake, not just Kirk Cousins. But in this moment, I understand progression football and what they're thinking and what they're coached to do, almost to the point where you're like a robot as a quarterback. Like you you have your first read, your second read, your third read, your, you, and then you have a chuck down, right? And you have pre-snap, you have alerts and everything, right? But what happens here, there's a progression on this play, and he goes through his progression, but it, you have to realize the situation. The progressions are out the window. You go through your progression. If it's not there, you scramble, you make a play, you throw it up to Jeffrey. You throw it up to somebody. Hope for a P.I. Jefferson, hope for a crazy catch. Right? I mean. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, it's tough because you can see in this, in this if you're watching this on YouTube, um, you know, we're showing kind of the dots and in, in, in slow-mo of where they're moving. You probably could throw one in to Osborne on the on the deep over here and, and hope that he comes down with it. It's not super clear, but you also have both your deep routes. You have a chance, you know what I mean? Uh, especially the guy on the left. I can't tell what number he's going to say. Not, not the guy on the, on the right because it was triple coverage. I think it's Jefferson on the left. Is Jefferson 19? No, that's Thielen. That's so, Thielen. Je- so, so Jefferson gets doubled. It actually gets tripled. 
you could see the effect, right? If you pause it, John, right here, there's yeah, three dots the, the heading towards Jefferson's side. Yeah, they were yeah. not going to let him beat us. So you have man-to-man, one-on-one coverage because the safety rolls to Jefferson's side, and that's Thielen. And, I mean, Thielen's more than capable of going up and making that play. He's done it. We've seen him do it before. So he, Thielen is also fan, very good at bitching for pass interference. He oh, did yeah. that all season. John, do you remember so, uh, a certain playoff game against the Saints where Kirk Cousins made a throw to Thielen to win the game? Yeah, I don't want to talk about that game. Yeah, so we've yeah. seen them do that before. I just don't understand why you don't scramble here or throw it up to somebody. <laughs> you know what's hilarious is being like a Saints fan for – and look, I, I went and saw I had a Facebook post from 2011 saying I love the Saints. So I have been closely following the Saints for 12 years now, which is probably about the same amount of time that I've been a fan of football, so therefore following the Lions. It feels – just as defeating to be a Saints fan as it does a Lions fan at this point. Probably more defeating. <laughs> what you just I mean, did you there. Had, you had Drew Brees and you have a Super Bowl. We have a Super Bowl, sure. But at the same time, like there are so many moments through being a Saints fan where it's just, I don't want to talk about it, right? The, the Rams playoff game, that Minneapolis miracle. Like even, even last season, them going nine and eight and not making it because just it's rough it's rough the saints have had a rough yeah it's been rough for you yeah it's been rough for you but this was bad this was this was embarrassing like that's why we love it is it hurts (laughs) and kirk said after the game he said after the game that uh this is probably the most painful loss he's had i'm sure especially he's gonna be thinking about that check down until september i just don't know what you're thinking man like i and again I, i i know what happened he's coached and he's and he trains himself and he and these quarterbacks are psychopaths dude they go through these progressions and they that's all they do when they're watching film it's boom to boom to boom to boom in your head like a like like clockwork and he was doing that felt pressure from you know which is part of being a quarterback and decided to hit to his go to his check down hoping that hawkinson would make a play but well and also i mean hawkinson is huge and he, he is very reliable is, but... hands there was maybe some you know way that he could shake it and get a couple yards but i think what you still four I, yards short think, by the time yeah you, you got it like, i think you gotta take it i think you gotta take yeah. a chance you know and just throw it down the get, field get over the yellow line man throw the ball over the yellow i line. mean in single coverage dude and Thielen got on top of his guy like in single coverage if you just throw it up and you give the receiver a chance to come back to the ball and go and try to either catch it or there's a very good chance that he gets interfered with Right. In that moment, and you know how fl- you know how how refs are with throwing the flag sometimes in those moments too, right? Sometimes they hold it because of pressure, but sometimes they feel the pressure and throw it. That's a home game with a home crowd that's going to be really loud if you don't throw that flag. And it was pretty damn clear they wanted the Vikings to try to at least make that game. Well, no, yeah, I mean, because of honestly, the, the previous call with the roughing the passer. I was going to say that, that fourth down situation shouldn't even have existed in the first place because yeah. he got sacked on the fourth down before that, and there was a. Probably the worst roughing the passer I've seen all season, which is crazy considering I've seen probably three You've or four. A lot. That, that rule needs atrocious. to change. That rule, or at least make it reviewable. Right? That's the worst. It, it's there's nothing to even review though, and like even the one that we saw in the in the um, on Dak was just oh he put his body weight on him. Well, they, that's how you tackle people. Sorry, the guy weighs three hundred pounds. Like right. it's not his fault. He's in the NFL. He's a defensive lineman. He's gonna weigh a lot. Yeah. I, I mean you're. Mark, I remember you and I having a conversation like sophomore or junior year of high school where it's like, man, by the time that we're our dad's age, like, are we going to be seeing like, like wrap up sacks, right? Like two hand touch sacks to protect the quarterback. Like, is the NFL going to evolve to that point? And like, 
obviously we were just kind of like joking, speculating, but the way this roughing the passer situation is going, like we are not very far from that. Cause that's basically what they're asking them to do is hey, like bring him down gently. Like you're putting him down for a nap. Like don't tackle him because you know, like no, the quarterback's still a football player. Last Dude. And we back. saw, <laughs> we saw what is scary and, and potentially happening. We saw in a game, I forget, I think it was the Giants, a guy just not sack the quarterback. You know what I'm talking about in, in week yeah. 18? He he like yeah. was right there. He was ready to swing him down, and he didn't swing him down. And the guy just kind of stepped out of it and threw the ball away. And it's like that's to the point where we're, we're getting, where guys are actually hesitating to finish a tackle because they're scared of a penalty getting called. There needs um, to be clarity on it sooner than later because, like, I'm not trying to, you know, diminish any of these players' health, right? Like, they are putting their bodies on the line, and we should, as a sport, try to do everything we can to make sure that that doesn't have any serious long-term effects on their health. But at the same time, the quarterback is a football player, just like every other football player out there. And when you play football, tackles happen. Like, It's, it's part we, of the game, man. It's it's a part of the game, and they're they're getting paid the most out of anybody else on that field to do that particular job. So yes, I think you can get hit every once in a while. And there's a like, double standard, dude. There's a double standard. I mean, totally. as, mu- you, as you, much as we love Josh Allen, you saw him throw an interception and out of frustration, you know, the defensive lineman's standing there. Wilkins is standing there with just kind of his hand on him, basically just shielding him, not even block. And if he wanted to, he could have killed Josh Allen. He could have planted him into the ground and, you know, but Josh Allen starts to try to fight him, you know, and get off a block and push him. And he's like, oh, you want to do this? And he lays him out. And then the Bills alignment come to try to defend him. It's like, dude. Right. Josh Allen started that. Like he was, he was doing what he's supposed to do and not hit the quarterback. And then Josh Allen being the little kid that he is. And just, which is again, why we love watching him tries to fight a guy who's three times his size and gets thrown to the ground. I, and is, I no, he didn't get thrown to the ground. He, he hit him so hard and the dude was so unmovable yeah. that he, he fell when he tried to hit him. So yeah. great. But like, I mean, double standard. Mike White got split in half this season and like, oh, he's not an important quarterback. So like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Like just apply it equally. I don't care if it's if it's Daniel Jones or it's Josh Allen or it's Mike White. Like if a dude gets sacked, that's a football player. Last yeah. I checked. So anyways, um, I think that wraps up the, the playoffs and we can kind of move into uh, making picks for, for next week. Only four games. So that makes it pretty easy. Um, Kansas city, Jacksonville, look, this Jacksonville team is dangerous. I do not want to diminish what they have accomplished this season. And obviously that playoff game, they're going to be coming in hot. They're going to be coming in confident, but we cannot forget that this is Andy Reid. This is Kansas city. This is the team that has, uh, you know, is essentially a dynasty in the making. If they aren't already, um, I think Kansas city is going to win this game. So that's that's my take on it. I think Jacksonville's has a lot of potential to play them close, but I also don't think that they're ready for whatever Andy Reid's been scheming up for the past three weeks since he's had this bye week and has just been chilling out, eating cheeseburgers, and probably drawing up whatever ridiculous things that the offense is going to do. I always, John, I always have the hardest time making picks and feeling really good about them, no matter what the game is, when it, one of the teams is coming off a bye, especially in the playoffs, because – Jacksonville, I'm telling you, they're as hot as you, uh, as hot can get. And Kansas City, there's teams that come off of buys and are better because they prepared during the buy and they handled the buy responsibly. And then there's teams that don't. 
you have guys going to the club, you have guys taking days off when they normally would be in the, in the facility watching film or getting a workout in or, you know, getting some extra throws in with the quarterback or whatever the case may be. And I don't know, cause I'm not a part of Kansas city. I don't know what the deal is there. I don't know what the feel is there. I'm going to pick Kansas city because I feel like they've been there. They've done that. I feel like they have mature guys on their roster that can kind of be like, Hey, we have a buy, but we're not going to let this be a setback. We need to take advantage of it. So I'm going to pick the chiefs because I think they handled the buy correctly. But if we see them come out a little slow and we see the Jags come out with a little more magic, because I think they do have some magic left in them, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Jags win this game. Yeah. That's what I, I'm saying. But again, I am going to pick the Chiefs. I made that pick with no discredit to the Jags whatsoever. It's just these, this is the Kansas City Chiefs, the number one seed. Yeah. You know, amazing, amazing team that has yeah. been for years now. Um, Cincinnati, Buffalo, man, if Josh Allen treats the, the football like he did last game, I think Cincinnati wins this game, but they showed a lot of weakness against Baltimore. Um, and I think Buffalo is destined for greatness and probably is going to clean up some of the sloppiness that they had last game. It's probably a nice wake up call for them. I'm going to go Buffalo here. This is a legacy game, John. This is an absolute legacy game. This is a this is such an important game for Joe Burrow and Josh Allen's legacies and who we're going to talk about for a long time. I and I know wait. that the, I, I know it's not a, a ticket to the Super Bowl or anything like that, but I, I think that the winner of this game will be in the Super Bowl. Um, and it's such a hard pick, man. I think that I'm, I, I want a lot of me thinks that Joe Burrow is going to play better than Josh Allen and he takes care of the ball better and he, and he's, a little more conservative and consistent with what he does in terms of decision-making. But what Josh Allen can do, there's things Josh Allen can do that Joe Burrow cannot do. And I also just think of a matchups wise, Eli Apple is an absolute liability and he guesses a lot and he's going to get matched up on Stefan Diggs from time to time. And that's just not going to go well for them. And I think that they're going to take advantage of that. So I'm going to pick the bills uh, because of that. I think Eli Apple is going to get toasted. He's, he seems to get toasted in many big moments. Cooper Cup mossed him for a game winner in the Super Bowl last year. He jumped on a route against the Ravens for absolutely no reason, gave up a 40-yard touchdown. Uh, you can't do that against Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen because he can extend plays and he'll toast you. Yeah, not to mention Knox and Davis. And, I mean, and I even just, Beasley I just, had himself a good game last week. I, so. trust, I trust the Bills' defense more than I trust Cincinnati's. Yeah, that's, I, I that's the only that reason point. I'm pick. That's the only reason I'm picking the Bills. I think that Joe Burrow and that and that offense is going to be pretty damn good the whole game. They're not going to give that game away. It's going to be a close game for that reason. But I just trust the Bills to get a, one or two more stops more than the Bengals. Sure. Um, Giants Philly. Um, I'm going to go Philly here. Um, and I think the bye week thing that you said does scare me a little bit because I do think that there's a ton of validity to that. But I also think that Philly's just been like unstoppable this year. And I think that their guys are going to be fresh and ready to go. And they got a lot of vets in that group. They got a lot of guys that have gone deep into the playoffs. Uh, it's I think it's going to be a good ass game. Um, and I think Philly's going to win it. How worried are you? Are you a little bit worried about that? You... I'd, I'd say with the way the Giants have been playing, it's not a shoe in for sure. I'm a little um, bit worried about it. I'm, I'm, I just think Philly's the better team, just top to bottom, great coaching. Uh, 
you know, amazing offense, strong offensive line. I think they have more weapons on offense and I think they have a better defense. So. Yeah, I, I'm going to pick Philly, but I'm really worried about this game. This is the game I'm most, this is, this is the pick I'm most worried about being wrong of the whole weekend. Um, and it's just because the Giants played so well and and it's just again that the bye week and Jalen Hurts not being 100% the last few weeks of the season. I mean, if he comes out rusty, you can't afford that in a playoff game. You you throw a couple bad balls, you know, and that game could easily swing early on in the Giants favor and then you're trying to play from behind. It's again, the Eagles are not built to play from behind. Yeah, but Hurts Hurts got reps in before the bye week. I I don't think I don't think his rust should be that bad. I, he's probably been pretty locked in the few weeks, especially with the narratives that have kind of been around him, you know, oh, not being a franchise guy or, you know, getting carried by the rest of his offense, whatever. I, I don't think any of that is accurate. I think he's going to show up. Um, and they've just, they've been unstoppable all season and they've beaten up on the Giants already. So, which I know sometimes is is additional points to the, to the giants. Cause now you're playing the same team for the third time, but yeah, I it's just tough. It's just tough with these teams that are so familiar with them. Divisional know, teams. Yeah. Uh, I obviously think, I think it's going to be a close game, um, but I will pick Philly. And then Dallas San Fran, like I said, look, Dallas, you, you beat up on a team with a losing record in the playoffs. Congrats. Uh, I don't, I think it stops at San Fran, man. I, there's just no way. Against that defense, it's it's not looking good, I think, for Dak and the boys. I see a blowout. And I'm doubling down. I'm doubling yeah, down. down. Look, I'm doubling Black down. Jack, uh, lose a hand, double down. I said I said last week that Tampa would win and that Dak would turn the ball over and that they would stop the run and they would have to they have to rely on Dak's throwing. I was right about that. However, did not turn the ball over. They did put the ball in his hands because they had to, because the run wasn't as strong as it needed to be. But he made plays. This time around, same thing will happen. They'll run the ball. They'll struggle to run the ball. They'll have to throw. And Dak will turn the ball over. He will force it into windows that he shouldn't. He will try to force it to CeeDee Lamb. He'll be in running. San Francisco will run their offense into... Yes, he'll be running for his life, dude. I'd be horrified to play against him. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, this is going to be not a close game, and San Francisco's offense is just going to have – they're going to score at will. They're going to score 35-plus. I like it. I really do. So, so that's our prediction. Down. Oh, yeah. Dallas fans, we're going at it again. Round two, baby. Expect – expect – even more of an intense TikTok and a short coming from John. We're doubling down. Both of us, both of us agree, and it's not just gonna be me saying it on our socials this time. John, you're coming in with it as well. All right, that's fine. And we're doubling down. And if if you're gonna get roasted, I'll get roasted with you. I will gladly uh, risk that in order to trash talk Cowboys fans any day of the week. Let me know. I'm ready to scrap. So yeah, that's our playoff predictions. Uh, again. Thanks to everybody that's been watching. Uh, obviously, the format of the podcast is, you know, going to kind of change more and more as we go into uh, not only the rest of the postseason, but into the offseason. But we appreciate everybody listening. 
Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I know I had a good time just talking about these games at length, right? Like sometimes, you know, we don't want to get, you get everything hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. John, like I, real quick before we sign off, is your Super Bowl pick the same? Yes, absolutely. Same two teams. Yep. So you have San Francisco and the Bills. Yep. And you have the Bills winning. I don't know who I have winning. That part's tough. If you had to choose right now, and it, this uh, can change. Right now in this moment, I feel like San Francisco would capitalize on the way Josh Allen has been playing in a way that they could not recover from. Why do I say that? Look how Miami just played them. And now you're getting Miami on steroids. You are getting the master rather than the student, right? That's one of your best takes you've ever had, John. <laughs> Thanks, the words. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't expect you to say that. That's why I was hoping you were going to say the Bills and then I was going to say that. <laughs> so now so, you're like ah i so don't have I'm anything like, well, to add shit. to this <laughs> so that's the conclusion of this episode uh john yeah he stole the he stole the final uh point which i think is going to be right that's also my pick all right for the same reasons let's go 49ers all right guys we'll see you next week see Peace. you guys